Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Today, I'm privileged to have Scott Malmed. He is the President and Chief Operating Officer at ProMD Health. Scott, welcome to the program. Thank you, Omar. Pleasure to be here. Scott, in 90 seconds, tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. So uh, please just call me Scott. Um, like you said, I'm the President of ProMD Health. I also uh, currently run a men's telemedicine pharmacy, a tattoo removal business, and I'm on the board for a, a couple of different charities, which are very important to me. Um, Started my career as a firefighter in New York. Uh, found myself going to Johns Hopkins twice. Uh, was a research scientist there. I uh, was lucky enough to meet the right people and go into consulting. And from then I was able to put a good team together and start some really fun and hopefully successful businesses. Brilliant, so uh, entrepreneurship, is it in your blood or is it something you just came by yourself? I have to say I, I truly believe it's in my blood. You know, I mean, I started down a, a very different path with science and just, the more that I was exposed to the right people, the more I was exposed to the environment, I really was able to nurture something that I felt I had inside myself. And I feel my best when I'm growing, both you know personally and professionally. And I think that's an important thing for any entrepreneur to have. Who is your favorite superhero and what attribute really speaks to you? <laughs> so I love this question. My favorite superhero is not uh, you know somebody that maybe most people have heard of. It's actually Underdog, the cartoon. I know, remember. Underdog. Yeah. What do you like so about Underdog? What I liked about him was you know not only was he a, a simple shoeshine boy who really only was called into service to help others, but he also you know really derived his power from an external source, right? His ring with the magic pill in it. And for me, that always kind of spoke to me because it's, it's what's your magic pill, right? So as an NLP guy, you know, maybe your magic pill is a solid anchor that builds the confidence right. for a, a pro athlete. Maybe it's, you know, a certain earring or a certain pregame ritual. For a salesperson, it might be uh, getting a really good breakfast so that you can perform. What's yours? With others. Uh, mine, that is a very good question. Uh, I think mine is empowering other people. You know, like when I step into a room, no matter how bad of a day I had, I have to ground myself using an anchor, mm -hmm. um, and then I am able to turn it on, and the more that the people around me are happier, the happier that I get. If you're, let's say, empowering someone that needs it that day, what is the juice in it for you? Is it the you empowered them, or is it the transformation you see? I think it's the transformation, right? So empowering them is great, it's great for business, it's great for them personally, but it's really something that they can build off of when they feel that personal sense of empowerment and confidence, especially if they're having a bad day. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What keeps you going? What gets you to keep on building companies? So for me, I have to say it would be about respect, right? And not so much respect for myself, but respect for all the moving parts and all the people along the way that helped me to get here, mm -hmm. right? I think the most valuable asset that we have is our time. And there are a tremendous amount of people solid mentors, my parents, my family, my business partner, who really invest their time and the dividends that they see are nothing but my success. So for me to not wake up every day and hit it as hard as I can would just be disrespectful to them and that's not something I can live with. Is there a particular mentor that comes to mind that really made a difference in your life? Oh man, you know, honestly, it would probably be four or five of them and all for very different reasons. Pick um, one. 
If I was going to pick one, uh, I would probably say Lawrence Arenheim, who was one of my professors at Johns Hopkins. Um, at the time, I was down the medical and science path. Uh, I was minoring in business because it was something that really interested me. And he and I had several long conversations, and he really invested a lot of time in my business development and you know, told me what he saw in me, and that almost gave me the permission to pursue my own path instead of being like so many of my peers at Hopkins and being stuck in this medical world. You know, that's an interesting point you bring up because for many people, they have the capacity to do things, whether it's research or business or love or whatever, but internally, some belief is not giving them permission that's right. to move forward, and it's all about mindset, isn't it? It is, and expectations, right? You set down this path, and you have these expectations and this vision of what it's going to be, and then somebody comes in and says, you know, it doesn't have to be that way, right? If you have a certain set of talents, and you can pursue a different path. And for me, you know, he was a respected mentor, and he's seen so many people go through, you know, various programs, and the fact that he believed in me, uh, you know, really sparked something in myself to say, maybe this is a skill set that I have and maybe I can marry medicine and, and business and find a way to do both. And I don't think I would be here without that knowledge. Wives, husbands, kids, dogs, cats, like what's going on? Yeah, so um, I have a, a girlfriend. Um, I have a dog. His name is Steel. He's a husky. <laughs> uh, always motivates me to come home, which is good when you work hard. Um, I'm very close with my parents. I'm fortunate enough to have uh, my grandparents alive. My grandfather oh, nice. just turned 99 in February. My father-in-law turned 99 uh, six days ago. Oh, excellent. Congratulations to him. So, you know, having that kind of life experience, right? So I have a degree after my name. He doesn't, but he signs everything now, L-E, for life experience, because that's I love what that. he thinks his degree is. <laughs> so, you know, hearing his perspective and having survived the Great Depression and, you know, two wars and everything else really keeps me grounded when I think about some of the problems that I face every day. What's interesting is that we have a totally amazing, wickedly cool toys, but the human condition and what keeps us up at night, what stops us from being exceptional, and what lets us embrace the human beings with compassion and love has not changed forever. And let's hope it never does. Yeah. If you could have lunch with anybody from history, fictional, someone living, who would that person be and what's the question you'd ask them? That is a good question. There are a lot of people out there. If I had to choose one, I think it would be uh, former President Lincoln, right? And what I would want to ask him uh, is, uh, obviously, besides skipping a certain play, mm -hmm. you know, what would you have done differently, or, or did you think your vision panned out, and did you do a good job of laying the groundwork so that when you were removed from the equation, your vision lived on, right? And a few people know this about uh, President Lincoln, but when he was a, when he got his start, he was very lombastic and sarcastic and wrote a lot of uh, nasty letters uh, in the media uh, to the point where he was challenged to a duel. And he was very scared that he was going to lose his life, and it was a turning point for him. And after that, he became one of the greatest, you know, compassionate leaders of men and really stopped criticizing and, and helped raise people. And I want to know, what was that turning point like? What was his kind of come-to-Jesus moment, if you will? that really changed the mind frame and set him on a completely different path and how can I replicate that in my life to become a better man. What was your first sales job? So uh, my first, I guess, what would be a sales job was uh, one of the first companies that I started was called Y-Lift. I started it with a, a physician partner and a team of some of my best friends who I was privileged to work with. And we were selling uh, a procedure and uh, essentially a, a buying group uh, to other physicians who were looking to get into the aesthetic medicine, cosmetic dermatology field. 
What did you like about it? You know, I liked the control that I had. It was one of the first opportunities that I had to really build and grow something. Uh, you know, I liked that I could see, you know, every blood, sweat, and tear that I came uh, put in either come to fruition or fail miserably and learn from that. What's the best deal you've ever uh, landed? What I would say my best deal might not have been the most profitable, but it was the most groundbreaking in my life. Uh, so when I was with Ylift, we had a booth at a trade show. Uh, Next to us was the massage chair uh, booth, which was very good for business. A lot of people came to that. And um, there was this doctor who was getting a massage. I knew I had a captive audience for the next five minutes. And so, he was in an altered state, and you took advantage a, of it. That is Unbelievable. Exactly right. So he and I kind of got to talking while I had his attention while he was relaxing. Uh, you know, turned out to be a great guy. Uh, we signed him for the program. He became one of my best friends, and now he's my current business partner. So it was a great business deal, it was a great personal deal, and it was a, a life-altering kind of opportunity that I am glad knocked. Life is full of those moments in time that change the direction of your life or change your mindset. And I can catalog mine quite happily that where you get this insights that make sense of the world. Absolutely. Who's the best sales manager you've come across? So uh, this is actually a recent notice that I've had. Um, a gentleman by the name of Rob Hubert, who's one of my vendors, he's a high-level uh, sales manager for them. And I've had the opportunity to meet some of the people that not only he started with, but that he hired and that he works with now and worked with previously, and they all say the same thing, that you know, I would not be in the position that I am had he not been my manager at one time. And I think that's what makes a good manager, right? Is not only propelling your career, but bringing those around you up with you. And, and having you know, a strong mentor-mentee relationship and a colleague relationship and a friendship and just being somebody that everybody is proud to not only have known and worked for, but proud to continue to be around. This is the second time you mentioned that uh, in this interview so far. So that's really important to you, the ability to help people reach their potential. I think it's everything. You know, whether you're in sales, whether you're in leadership, whether you're a mother, father, you know, son, daughter, if you're not a servant leader, you're just doing it wrong and you're going to stumble. Can you give me an example of maybe your granddad or your dad having one of those moments where they gave you an epiphany that helped you get to the next level? Sure. Um, so my father uh, is a police officer in New York. He's a civil servant. He also volunteers with the fire department. He gives a ton of his time. He's now the chief. And he was you know, always there for us still as a family. And he kind of taught me that no matter what you do in life, you know, you always have the capacity to have three jobs, right? So when you're young, you have school, right? Most people have sports or clubs, and then they have their family obligations, right? Uh, when you go away to college, right, you have time to, you know, be in college, you have time to work, and you have time to have a social life. And then when we graduate, we're kind of lost, right? We go into this world of, okay, now my one focus is my career, right? And once we kind of let the other two spots that we have slide, it's hard to get them back. Right. So what he taught me is, you know, always have your job, make sure that you're giving back and volunteering and helping others, and always make sure that you have either a social or family component. And I think that was kind of groundbreaking for me because it's enabled me to just keep going instead of kind of stopping. It's rough on the sleep, but we can do that later, right? You know, one of the nice things about my job, I work with individuals and teams and help people get breakthroughs, but on the podcasting side of things, almost every other interview you get like, a piece of wisdom like that that I will uh, share widely because it. it's just a simple concept that can have profound impact on people's lives. I hope it does. 
So tell me about a come to Jesus moment for you where you had to uh, course correct. Time when I had to course correct. Um, I would say it was pretty recently. Uh, we have a, uh, an employee here by the name of Abby who uh, she was hired as a receptionist. She told us that from the get-go that she had phenomenal marketing talent and, uh, and she really wanted to utilize that. For an, uh, a little bit of time, we hired externally to do our marketing uh, for us. And then she and I got to talking. She showed me some of her work and excelled and I wish that I had believed in her from the get-go. And uh, the real come to Jesus moment was that, you know, we're not doing a good job of understanding the whole employee, right? And what are their skills? What are their talents? What's their one year, five year? What are their career plans, even if it's not with us? And how can I make that as a leader align with the company so that when I do make a change, I know how it impacts everybody else from the executive level to the ground floor. Always about relationships. And sometimes it's uh, kind of heartbreaking when you... uh come across people that have such amazing talent and either they're not given the permission to do or worse they don't give themselves permission to do right and so, it's just a dream that never uh sees daylight yeah she's now our uh, our director of marketing working remote uh, with her husband who's military she was transferred uh, out to colorado and she's our remote marketing director so not only we're we able to retain her in a position that she excels at but she's our first remote employee which i think is pretty cool that is cool in this day and age, selling is uh, quite different than it used to be in the past. What do you think the biggest challenge is in, in selling today? I think selling today is different in that it's not so much about technical expertise as it used to be. Technical expertise is almost a commodity, right? In today's day and age, it's all about understanding your role, understanding the, the vendor-client relationship, and really transcending that, right? So when somebody comes to you with an issue, right, or, or a problem of why they don't want to make a purchase, the, the natural reaction is to try and tell them why they're wrong, right? If they say it's too expensive, you say, well, here's a great deal. It's not, right? And I think that puts people on the defensive, right? right? As opposed to, you know, being a good listener and an empath and really understanding, you know, why do you think it's expensive? Is your capital tied up elsewhere and later will be a good time for me to come back? You know, do you, are you worried that the return isn't going to be good enough? Do you have, are you getting pressure from a boss where if you sign a bad deal, it could be the end of your career and you're not willing to take the risk right now? So. It's just about understanding your role, not only as a salesperson, but you know, almost as a friend and mentor and consultant. How large is your staff here, Scott? Uh, we have just under 20. 20, how many of them are front-facing people that interact with clients and perhaps have the ability to sell? Uh, everybody. Everybody? Yeah, so you know, our sales funnel is from the minute somebody picks up the phone to, to make an appointment or an inquiry to the moment they check out. So they will interact with everybody. I suspect you're the chief sales officer here as well. That's, uh, it would roll up to me, yeah. So how do you get the best uh, performance out of your people? Like what are you doing to help them get better at what they do? So I think one of the most beneficial things that we do is uh, we make time for training, right? So you know, not only do we have town halls where we, um, you know, kind of this is the state of the union, if you will. We also do uh, you know, what we call skip level lunches where mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lower level staff will not meet with their manager but instead meet with their manager's manager to get a high level picture. Uh, we do you know, guided one-to-ones uh, with all senior leadership and everybody in the company so that we can understand their expectations. Because right? I think people are most motivated when they feel like they know what's going on and how they're contributing. You go to any company that's got issues or not issues, the common problems are lack of communications, have no idea what their role is, and more importantly, what other people's roles are, and that not knowing 
is fertile ground for uh, office politics. That's right. And, and that was one of the hardest lessons that I personally had to learn, right? So when we're trained as managers, we think that our job is to steer the ship, right? But it's not, right? Any real business isn't a ship, it's a fleet, right? So whoever that leading ship is, be it me or you know my partner, if we make a left turn and we don't notify the fleet, they're going to keep going straight. And then when they you know, wind up lost or, or don't recognize the landscape of the company anymore, that's where they get frustrated and that's where they get demotivated and that's where they stop selling. How do you motivate your sales team? Um, I motivate my sales team with open and adaptive planning, right? So uh, I, what we've done is we've broken up uh, our staff into different kind of segments, if you will, almost like a student government association. So we have a communications committee, we have an education committee, we have a morale committee, and we have an efficiency committee. And each one of those has members and a champion. So that uh, you know, if anybody has an idea across the enterprise of how to help themselves, the company, anybody else, they always have somebody to go to, right? Because people are most motivated when, they're, um, when their ideas are heard, right, and brought to fruition. People are much more likely to work hard on something that they feel they or somebody that they respect has had a part in, rather than just top-down direction. Brilliant. What's the best sales advice you've ever gotten? Know what you don't know and be honest about it, right? So too often we want to go to a sales meeting and close a deal ourselves where somebody else might be much better suited to either handle it or come along, right? And those favors, you know, pay dividends in kind as long as you have a good team around you. So maybe you're not the most technical guy and you want to bring a technical guy with you. Maybe you know that the the person that you're speaking with is very data-driven and you're more of a big picture person, so you'll bring an analyst with you. Uh, I think... That's the best that I've, advice that I've ever gotten. And what's something you know now that you wish you knew 10 years ago? Something that I wish I knew 10 years ago that I know now. Read more. And read more good books. You know, the, the things that I've learned uh, through reading are much more than the things that I've learned through school. I think you know, reading really gives us insight into the experience of another person, and it's a great way to learn. At some point, uh, you're going to have uh, uh, kids, I imagine? That's the plan if we're lucky. There's a good chance that your kids will have probably three or four careers, the way the landscape is. What are the three pieces of advice you'd give them that would be evergreen and help keep them on on a path that's going to actually help them achieve success? Sure. Um, So the advice that I got from my grandfather, it's it's three pieces. Be honest, tell the truth, and give to charity. Right? And at first glance, everybody understands the give to charity bit, mm-hmm. right? If you do good, you feel good, and it, you know, there's good karma out there, and it's great to help people, right? But people often get confused with the be honest and tell the truth. And they say, well, isn't that the same thing? That doesn't make sense, right? But it's not, right? What's the distinction? So, uh, you know, honesty is an integrity of character, whereas the truth is about the facts, right? Like, you might say, you know, say we're in a car sales position, right? And you might ask me a question about, a car, you know, does it run well, right? And I can tell you it did today, which is truthful, right? But if I know that it might not run well tomorrow or it didn't run well yesterday, I'm not really being honest with you. Right. So I can be honest, right? And I cannot tell the truth or I can be truthful and not always be honest. So Thank you for sharing that. So you said reading is important to you. What's a book that you'd recommend that... uh, uh, leaders read that would help them become better, stronger, faster? Uh, it's a short but good read. It's called uh, Unleash Your Crazy Sexy Brain. No, 
but it was an excellent read, but one must-read book, uh, I think a lot of people would agree with me on this one, is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. You know what's uh, surprising? The last few interviews on this podcast, people have been going back to that caliber of book that's been around for 60, 70, 80 years. Because the human condition does not change, and the ultimate truths are the truths, and they will be the truths 150 years from now. Yeah, and you know, personally, the thing that I got most out of that book was yes, how to you know interact with other people, but more importantly, how to interact with myself. You know, so giving the same benefit of the doubt that that book teaches to give you to others, understanding that you're human too, and you're a person that you have to win and influence every day, because you're who you live with, and you're going to be you for the rest of your life, right? So, it really was groundbreaking and changed my internal monologue, which I thought was very interesting and very helpful in every day. You know, not just business, but personal life, you know, sports, career, family. It's uh, It was a very good read. I'll put it that way, and I highly recommend it. I'm going to have to read it again. So is there a question I should have asked you that I did not? A question that people always like to ask me is, what do you do when the team's in a slump, right? Or how do you nurture these relationships when you're frustrated? Right, and this is the same advice that I give to my friends when they're having trouble with their girlfriends or wives, right, is that look at the big picture, right? The best companies, the most innovative companies, the best leaders all keep two things in mind, right? Maximize the good times when you're hitting your stride and you're at that peak, your apex in the cycle, maximize it. And when you're in a slump, damage control and minimize because, you know, it's really is a cycle. No matter who you are, you're going to slump and you're going to excel, right? And the best people... When they excel, they excel high, and when they slump, they kind of balance it out. So, Brilliant. you know, accept the slump, ride it out, do everything you can to mitigate it, but don't let it become who you are. And the only thing I'd add to it on both those areas, what's the lesson you need to learn? Because sometimes people will learn the lessons from the negative, but forget to learn the lessons from the positive. Absolutely. Scott, thanks so much for sitting down with me. I really had fun. I appreciate it. I had fun too. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 